Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of the Don't Change Much podcast. I am your host, Dan Murphy, and we should start by saying this podcast is made possible by a generous lead gift from the Jack and Darlene Poole Foundation. Today, we're talking about fatherhood and positive mentorship. Yes, this discussion is about the most powerful and formative relationship in a child's life, the one they share with their parents, and more specifically, the one with their father. You may be surprised to know that despite the importance of a father's role in a child's development, the evidence, research, and guidance on that subject is limited. So it's a good thing Dr. David Kuhl is here to help. Dr. Kuhl is a UBC professor in the Faculty of Medicine and co-founder of Blueprint, a nonprofit that strives to impact society by improving men's well-being and enhancing their positive contribution to communities. Dr. Kulich is here to tell you there absolutely is a link between one's relationship with their father and the impact that can have on mental health later in life. He shares firsthand knowledge about the sometimes rocky relationship he had with his father and how he needed to reevaluate his relationship with his kids to make sure he was going down a more positive path. Current Hockey Night in Canada analyst and former NHL goalie Kelly Rudy joins the discussion as well. He speaks to a life on the road and doing whatever you can to maximize whatever time you have with your kids, making sure you make the most of it. And Kelly will also talk about the positive relationship he carved out with his father and how that shaped him as a dad. Kelly also gets more personal with how it takes a supportive and understanding family when mental health problems grab a foothold within the household. We'd like to welcome Dr. David Cool and Kelly Rudy. Thanks, you two, for joining me on this podcast. Our conversation focuses on how being a good father to our sons and daughters can pay huge dividends for the rest of their lives. Simple, right? Seems like common sense. And yet people have different definitions of what being a good dad is. So, Dr. Cool, I'll start with you. What made you want to get into this line of work? There were a few things. Probably started off in my childhood. My father had a lot of struggles with depression, so I was aware of what it was like to grow up in a home where my father was at times absent because of the mental illness. Then I was involved in starting the palliative care program at St. Paul's Hospital, which included uh, men with HIV and AIDS. And I was very aware one day where a young man came and asked if he could use the phone because he wanted to call his dad. And he called his dad and he said, you know, dad, I have three things to tell you. First of all, is you need to know that I'm gay. And because of the proximity of where I was sitting, I could hear the silence. And then he said, I have AIDS, dad. And again, it was silent. And the third thing he wanted to say is that, and I'm on a palliative care unit, dad, that means I'm dying. And it was silent. And the boy hung up, he was a young man, and he uh, walked to his room. And I realized in that moment that regardless of who your children are, when they're suffering, dads should come. And that father never came. So that really had a profound effect on me asking myself questions about my presence with regard to my own kids. And then also because of my work, I started working with men in the military, firefighters and police officers, addressing psychological trauma. And for many of them, after they had dealt with the trauma, the most common question I've been asked is, can you help me be a good dad? So I decided one day that I was going to devote part of my career to asking that question. 
Kelly, you're like me. You're a son to a father, but you're a father to daughters. I have just one. Um, so I'll start with what was your relationship like with your dad and, and how has that molded, you know, how you deal with your own children? Wow. Well, first of all, Dr. Cool, that was really heartfelt. That was something to share that story. So thank you. I had a remarkable relationship with my dad. And the way in which my dad treated me is very similar to the relationship that I have with my three daughters. And I would say I carry a lot of traits from my father, including being a very patient person, including being somebody that I, I believe I'm a very good listener. And when I delivered my the eulogy for my father a number of years ago, I said just that. And I said, but I take no credit for that because those are traits that my father passed on to me. And so for my brother and I, and for my mom, my dad was an incredibly kind person. He was very gentle. And also to that point, up until when my dad became very sick at the end, and he had dementia and, and other issues, I had never heard him say a swear word in my entire life. So I think that tells you a lot about his character. So yeah, my relationship with my dad was, I wish everybody could have that sort of relationship. It sounds like our fathers have a lot of the same qualities. Now, my dad traveled a ton when I was younger, but I don't recall ever, you know, longing for his affection or for him to be around because mm -hmm. when he was around, you know, he was present. and we did things together. Now, not, you know, I don't remember like going out and throwing the baseball around with him. That wasn't exactly our thing, but I was involved in a ton of sports and he'd come watch. He wasn't super vocal in the stands, but he was very supportive, <laughs> you know, and he'd, he'd want to talk about it after if I wanted to talk about it and so on and so forth. And now I find that I travel a lot for work and, you know, so I'm thinking, well, my daughter's probably got to be the exact same way I was. Like she probably doesn't long for me when I'm gone, which is not the right way of thinking about it. Different Kids need different mm -hmm. things. So Dr. Cole, ask you this, is it you have to figure out what works best for, for each child? I would say that before I respond to that, I would say both of you have enviable relationships with your fathers. I wish that was the case for all the men that I continue to work with around firefighting and police work. It's, uh, it's remarkable and clearly it will affect who you are as men in the world and it will also affect how you relate to your children. And yes, each child is unique and each child will develop into who they become. And if as fathers, we can encourage them to be that person and go through the processes they need to go through to become who they really are, we will be doing them a great service. So for you, your father being away didn't have a big impact because he was fully present when he was then home. And that it may be the same for your daughter. And one of the features of the relationship between a father and their children is that quality doesn't happen without quantity. So the fact that your father could be fully present when he was home is likely the key to why you trusted him and have had the close relationship with him that you had. I mean, that's at least the way I remember it until I got into my teenage years. And that's kind of where the real strong bond formed when we could play golf together, you know, spend four hours in a day together. And that's, you know, that's kind of really when it really took off. And probably because I was, you know, a little more emotionally mature at that time, right. you know, in, right. in my life. But Kelly, so, you know, you're like me, you travel a lot, or at least you did before the, you know, mm -hmm. the world changed a bit, but you will again. And when you're on the road a hundred to 120 days a year and you come home in the past, how did you make sure you maximize that time with your kids? Well, 
first of all, Murph, I wish it was only 120 days yeah, a year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When <laughs> your playing was, days, uh, it was more. Well, no, in my broadcasting days, there's a lot more uh, before the pandemic. I was close to 200 and some years over that with Hockey Night and Flames Regional. But that's an important conversation to have that you prioritize that relationship with your daughters to make sure that as often as humanly possible that you get together. And we've tried as a family to do that a lot. We've also, you know, sort of made sure that during the summer, we spend as much time together as humanly possible again. Vacations are important. There's no question about that. But just around the house and barbecues and and those sorts of things. It's interesting the three of us are having this conversation. Three men are having this conversation because it wasn't too many days ago that my wife and I had a very similar conversation about how fortunate we feel that our family were just so close. Other than when the pandemic uh, didn't allow us to get together, we spend so much time with all three daughters, our son-in-laws, our grandchildren. In fact, yesterday we just had everybody over and somebody brought it up, like how fortunate we are to be this close. And so I think me, uh, a guy that travels so much, try to make sure that everybody realizes how important they are in my life. Uh, I feel very blessed to have my daughters and their partners because we tell each other very often about how much we love each other. So there's no second guessing, no wondering, you know, it's, it's a very open relationship that we have with everybody. And it may seem odd to everybody, but we hug and we kiss and we're, we make sure that there is so much love evident and especially showing our grandchildren that uh, this is what a family should look like. We're lucky too, that now when we travel, there is ways to stay connected with FaceTimes and stuff, which there wasn't when I was a kid. It was one landline yeah. and such. And I find that, you know, I'll do that every day when I'm on the road at least once. And then when I'm home, my wife is, she's the breadwinner in our family. She makes more than I do. So it's, it's you know, in, the, in a lot of two-parent families now, I think mothers are filling different roles than they were perhaps when I was a kid. Since she does almost all of the work when I'm gone or all of it, I find that when I'm home, I, I want to do the same. I'll take my daughter to all of her activities. I'll walk her to school and pick her up when I can. You know, I'll hold her hand to school. She's, you know, she's getting to the age where I think she's not going to want to do that much and not wa- walk with her father much. But as long as she wants to hold my hand on the way to school, I'm holding her hand and I'm picking her up. And it's literally a four minute walk to the school. She could do it easily with her friends at all past the house, but she still wants to do it. So I will always do it. So I think those are the things that are, you know, kind of important that when I'm around, to show that these are things I want to do because really they are things I do want to do. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great response in terms of just the change of relationships and the change in the dynamic of family where it can be that who is the breadwinner. And it's hard for some men to accept that their wives might be earning more money than they are. And so the fact that you've been able to do that, have that conversation, those four-minute walks might be really important because that you never can predict when your kid's going to ask you some question that is really daunting for them or, and, and it might be in that four minute walk mm-hmm. and because it's there every day. And my experience was they wanted to hold my hand for a while, for many years, and then they wanted to walk beside me with not, without holding my hand quite so much, but they still wanted to have me walk beside them. So it'll evolve as it will. Manage your stress, not the other way around. For simple ways to improve your mental health, check out the free MindFit Toolkit from the Canadian Men's Health Foundation. Complete a self-assessment 
access virtual counseling and learn more about how anxiety, stress, or depression might be impacting your health. Go to menshealthfoundation.ca and access the MindFit Toolkit to start improving your mental wellness today. So, Doctor, what if someone's listening to this right now and they've got what, a nine or a 10 year old or 11 year old and they're like, my goodness, I don't feel like I'm doing enough now. I'm not, I'm not spending enough time. Like, can there be a cutoff point? How late is too late to try to foster these, these, these relationships? My take is that it's never too late. I realized in my career at one point that while my father was emotionally absent because of mental illness, I was emotionally absent because I was too busy being a physician. And when I realized that, I also recognized that I wanted to change and that I wanted my two daughters to know what it meant to be loved by a man and that it would be me. And so I did some reading around all of that, and I learned from some of the research that was done that for parents and fathers who feel they've been absent, it will take approximately one month of devotion and commitment to that child equal to the number of years. So for me, it was eight years, so it would be eight months. It actually took two months per year, but at that sort of at the one and a half year mark, it was clearly different in terms of my relationship with my daughters. And I would never regret it. I also realized I needed to ask for some help around uh, coping with mental illness that I'd grown up with and the impact it might have had on me. So I think it's really important, one, to have the insight that I'm not quite as close. I'm not as close with my children as I want to. It doesn't matter whether it's daughters or sons. And that I'm going to do what I need to do to make a commitment to them to be, as the two of you have so clearly stated, I'm going to be fully present in those kids' lives in whatever way is meaningful for them. So we're, we're all parents to daughters. Doctor, is there a difference being a good father or a good parent to a son or a daughter? Is there any sort of gender biases? One of the things that's important now also is to recognize that our children and gender identity may not be as binary as we have grew up to be. And generally, a principle would be that sons fashion themselves after their fathers, so they behave like their fathers would where daughters would fashion their relationships with men after their relationships with their fathers. So that's a pretty key feature that men need to appreciate and understand. And we also know that for men who are involved in their daughters' lives, their initial sexual encounter will be at a later age. They'll likely have less sexual partners in terms of promiscuity, and they will also be less likely to have teenage pregnancies. And that's just the beginning of the impact a father's relationship with his daughters and sons could have. So really important feature of who we are as fathers. Why do you think this relationships between fathers and their kids, why do you think there hasn't been as much research as that with mothers and their kids? I think that for a long time, people believed that women had an innate ability to be the primary care provider, and therefore men possibly also for work reasons, for many other reasons, because we were living to provide and living to protect. And we just believed that early on that women had better skills, but there's no, no evidence of that. Children that grow up in homes where fathers are the single parent are, can have as positive a, an outcome as where is, it's a, a mother. And I think that only now we're beginning to appreciate the impact of both fathers and daughters as primary care providers, but we, we allowed our, our 
wives and mothers of our children to be the primary care provider, believing they had the innate ability, but it doesn't work that way. Now, Kelly, you're still a very public figure, but when you had your playing days and your kids were much younger and you were such a public figure, you gave yourself to, you know, fans and, and, and such, were you able to create a, a private space for your family and for times with your kids? Did you have to separate and, and draw a line? Yes, that's a great question. One that I, I don't think of often anymore, Dan, but I remember what is in particular when I first went on television, it wasn't so much as a player because I lived in the States my entire playing career. And I, I would have to say that being recognized wasn't a big part of our life in those days. And of course, no social media. So the world was a different place. But when I went on Hockey Night in Canada and I became more recognizable in public, I have to say that that dynamic changed with my children. And they were not big on people coming up to me and saying hi. Now, you know, our kids are 36, 33, 29. And so they're more accepting of it. But I used to have to really protect them when people would come up because they wanted me, right? They wanted dad present. Uh, and I was dad. I wasn't Kelly Rudy on Hockey Night in Canada. And so that's a really interesting conversation, Dan and Dr. Cool, because I did see that play out in front of my own eyes, how that I had to make sure that when people came up, my children understood that they were the focus of my life and not the so-called recognizable person. That's a really great comment. They don't really care whether we play for the NHL or where, no. whether we're, they don't care how many degrees we might have in terms of academics. They just want dad and they don't, yep. they couldn't care less about all the other stuff. And that's very evident, especially in their younger years, where they don't even recognize or appreciate what significance that might have. What about yourself? Was there something for yourself as well, Dr. Cool? It was the same. I lived in a smaller community at the time. People recognized me, and they wanted access to a physician. It's a cheap second, second opinion in public. And I just had to say to people, not here, not now. This is, I'm dad here. I'm not Dr. Cool, right? I'm, I'm dad. And this is, and it took me a while to be able to do that or to appreciate it and just to really recognize that they are my focus. And in the end, I'm far more committed to them than I am to the people that I provide care for as a physician. Can I just add to that, please? Of course. Um, yes, that's an important thing that when I would uh, make that very clear uh, that my kids were my priority and not the person saying hi to me or I, I like your work on hockey night. On occasion, I offended the person that came up, and they were nice. They were very, very nice. But I had to make sure that my kids understood their priority, and I had to be okay with that, that maybe I didn't chat as long as – if I was by myself, I'd chat maybe five minutes with that person. But in this situation, my kids clearly made it known to me that their time was more important than spending time with a very nice stranger, and I had to accept that. And sometimes that's not easy. <laughs> no, it's not. That's why I brought it up. Yeah. And my daughter has no clue. She's just like, why did that person say hi to you? Yes, <laughs> right? <laughs> You're listening to the Don't Change Much podcast. I am your host, Dan Murphy. My guests today, Dr. David Cool and Kelly Rudy. Now, Kelly, recently you've been very open, you know, with the no bad days and your daughters struggle with some, some mental illness. So how have you handled that as a dad? How have you tried to guide her 
just as a father through some of these, you know, very trying times? Yeah, very challenging times. And you learn a lot about mental health. We did as a family, my wife, Donna and I, well, it's been years and years and years trying to understand how it affects people and how it affects not only Caitlin and her slogan that after four years of intensive therapy, she came to us and she said, mom, dad, I'm having more good days than bad. And so that is such a profound statement. And uh, hence, the that was the genesis to that shirt that she has, she and her husband, more good days. And I think we can all appreciate that saying, because that's what we're all searching for, right? More good days. So for Donna and I, we had to become really good students uh, and try and learn more about mental health and understand how not only does it affect Caitlin, but how does it affect Donna and I and our relationship and Caitlin's two sisters and to make sure her sisters also knew that that this is what Caitlin's going through. And maybe they feel as though they're not getting the attention they need, but we tried to help them understand that as well, help them understand what their sister's going through. And then uh, further in life, after watching what Caitlin went through and how I think she's the strongest person I've ever met in my life, how it affected me and then my mental health years later when I started to have my problems. I really appreciate your comments and your vulnerability in telling that story because mental illness really belongs to the family and it does affect everybody else. And it's also really important to recognize and when there's illness or a severe physical illness or mental illness with one child, it can affect your relationship with the other ones who mm -hmm. may not fully appreciate that the one that needs it gets more more of your time and uh, yeah. energy. And that's that's a really important feature that you've identified. And so that children recognize that we try to meet all of their needs, but they won't be the same. They'll be, they'll be equal in our commitment to them, but they won't be equal in the delivery. I think that's really important. And we had the same in terms of one of my kids had depression for a period of time, and, and it, it does affect the family. And I realized at that time, it's more important to be a dad, her dad, than her doctor. Sometimes she needed both, but mostly she just needed the support of a father. So I really appreciate what you've said about the impact on you and your family. It's a feature of vulnerability we need more men to express. I appreciate that. Clearly, some fathers are going to have different values, Dr. Cool, right? Obviously, there's no one blueprint to do this. So what are just like the general principles of being a good dad? You've both expressed it. The most important principle of being a good dad is being present, just being there with your kids. The most challenging might be allow the kid to be who they really are so that I can inform them of my values, but my values may not be their values just like my physical or my skill set may not be their skill set. And what's important is that I can allow them to become who they are and encourage them to become who they are, and that I will always be their dad. Even if we're different and we have different values, that this will always be a safe place to come to. One of the firefighters I worked with said, you know, when my kid has a car accident, I don't want her to be the kid that says, wow, all hell's going to break loose when my dad finds out. He said, I want to be the father that when his kid, his daughter or his kid has an accident, she says, I got to call my dad because he's going to be the best guy to talk to right now. Mm -hmm. So that whether we agree or disagree is to just be there for who they are and who they become as adults. And it, they may, they are going to change. They're going to evolve. They're going to be different 13 than they are at 23 and 33.
And Kelly and I, have, I think we both basically said that a lot of the traits that we have now are, are based on the traits that our fathers had. Yeah. And like on the same way, Kelly, my dad's a very patient man, mm-hmm. um, very understanding, kind, loves to talk through stuff. For those who perhaps didn't have a great relationship with their father and now have kids of their own and don't want to fall into the same trap, how difficult can that be to set your own path? It can be very challenging. We default to the familiar and the mothers and fathers we grew up with are our familiar. So that's why I said earlier on that relationship each of you have with your father is enviable because it's second nature to you. So osmotically, you, you learned how to be a good dad because you had dads who listened, who cared for you, who were fully present. Somebody doesn't have that. It's really important for all of us to ask, what impact did my dad have on you, on me? So you have to ask that same question, even if it was a positive one. What impact did my dad have on me? And what, what parts of that do I want to cultivate and bring into the home that I, that I will create? And how do I want to be different? Because if we don't actually make a conscious effort to be different, we will one day sound exactly the way our fathers did. And we'll say, nuts, I am like my dad after all. But again, as I said earlier, it's never too late. But it is important to talk to other men who may have had a positive relationship with their fathers. And you may actually need to get some help from a therapist or a counselor to say, you know, this is a pretty profound effect it had on me. So for me, growing up in a house where my father had very severe depression, I needed to say, what impact did that have on me when my father wasn't available? I do want to be available. So it meant making a commitment to say, I'm going to ask for help. I'm going to listen. I'm going to work with a therapist to become an effective and positive father. It's not easy. It's hard work. It's hard work for all of us, even for you who had a positive relationship with your father. It requires commitment, time, and love. Right? I, Kelly, I love the way you said you're, you're open about hugging and kissing. When firefighters and police officers ask me, what does it mean to be a good dad? I says, the start is, one, You got every kid needs to hear from their, their dad that they love them, they're proud of them, and they would not have wanted to live their life without them. Start with that, and then give them a big hug. And hug them as long as the kid hugs back, right? Which could be for I some. I love that. And one firefighter responded 24 hours after I had said that. And he said, you know, I hadn't, didn't really hug my kids. And I said, here's what you do. Go home and hug your kids. and let the, <laughs> Hug them until they let go. And I got, I got an email about 24 hours later. He said, you were so right. And the other thing I said is, if your kids do what their kids want to do, if they play on the floor, get on the floor and play with them. I got this email and he said, I just spent time playing with my kid on the floor. I'd never done that before. And I hugged all three of my sons. One of them was for two seconds. One was for five seconds. And the other one was for two minutes. Clearly, he needed his dad to hold him for a long time. Another question. What about making tough decisions? good dad decisions that are unpopular with the kids and I, and that, you know, pay dividends down the road. And I, I think of this is like perhaps not a real relevant one, but when you know, I was like 13, 14, we'd always take family vacations. Right. And I think that was one of the reasons like get the family together. And yeah, you know, but when you're 14 and your parents say, we're going to Israel and Egypt for a month, you're like, why? But now as well, not now, even 20 years ago, I'm like, now I get it. Remember those things fondly now, but at the time, that decision was not a popular one. So is there going to be times where being good dad means making tough decisions? Absolutely. And that might happen for very long periods of time in terms of, of what the kids are going through. And they, they have to develop their own identity. They have to become whoever they're going to become. When you were 13 or 14, you probably just wanted to hang out with your buddies, play sports and have summer a good time in the summertime. And I'm still the parent. Fortunately, I'm still in love with the woman I married many years ago. 
that's fortunate for our kids, right? So that it, whether you're a single parent or a parenting in, in, in a different sense, I am, I'm in charge here, right? And I do have a sense of what, what is better for you and what's best for our family. And that's the basis of this decision. And so that's, that's what's going to happen. Kelly, you know, how rewarding has it been in a life filled with many accolades just to be a, a dad? Oh boy, it's the best thing, right? It's just as explained earlier, my wife and I just had this conversation about how fortunate we are that she and I are still together. You know, it's not always easy when one partner travels as much as I do. And for us to still have this love and relationship, and then also just to see our children as happy as uh, they are with their partners. And that is so rewarding to see our daughters with their husbands and to see that it's, it's, it's a really healthy relationship that they have. Like, I know some, somebody might be listening to this and going, that's unreasonable. Like Kelly and Donna, it's, it's unreasonable and, and kind of sounds that way, but I, you know, we still have hardship in life, right? There's still tons of things that are thrown our way that are very difficult and uh, we all hurt together and, and stuff. But just when you look at it on the surface, it's so darn good that it gives us such joy. And Dr. Cole, I'll leave the last word to you. That The podcast is called Don't Change Much. Can you do things incrementally, small little changes that can make big differences with being a dad? Absolutely. First of all, ask the question, how can I be a better dad? How can I be an effective dad? What would it take? And it might mean making a commitment to going to all the activities or sports or in our family, it was dance on a regular basis. How can I spend more time with my kids? I, another suggestion a firefighter made to me about being an effective father, he said, you know, we give each of our kids the opportunity to enjoy any activity they want to do with us for 30 minutes, two or three nights an evening a week, so that that's another way to do it. Just how can I translate my love of my children into action? And what does that mean in terms of being with them? And absolutely, it can happen in very small incremental doses. And as Kelly has said, it's it's profound. And while as fathers, we can change our children's lives, don't doubt for a minute that they won't change ours as well in a positive way. Guys, this has been fun, insightful and knowledgeable. Thanks for your insight. Thank you very much. Thanks, Dan. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and know someone else will too, please share it. We'd also love to hear your feedback, so rate the podcast and give us your comments. For more helpful tips on improving your mental and physical health, please visit menshealthfoundation.ca and don'tchangemuch.ca.